Hello, folks. It's Josh Trayevsky, and I'm here with my friend David Hussman. Um, it's awfully wonderful to see you and uh, be down here in uh, Oz. Right, yeah. We are at the Yao Conference, and we're in Sydney. Um, you're about to go home. What did you talk about here? I was on about... Um, the session was called like Learning in Product, but the subtitle was... Like how to build the wrong thing faster, or how wrong are you ready to be? Just trying to get people to think about measuring, you know, the impact they're having over uh, the progress they're making. Mm -hmm. Sounds uh, like an extremely important topic. I, I I think Jeff Patton was talking about some some ideas like that. I know I talk about them. It's, right. it's velocity. This focus on yeah. building stuff, velocity versus actually right. doing something meaningful. Yeah, I thought it was a thread through a whole bunch of different, like, you know, like for instance, you and Jeff and I were all kind of saying the same thing in different ways, which yeah. is kind of exciting. It feels like when you're, if you're the only one saying something, it could be wacky. Yeah. But if you find a bunch of other people talking about the same thing, there's usually something emergence there that's worthwhile. Yeah, love it. And and it's, the, it's wonderful to hear it's said in all these different wonderful ways. Right. Um, yeah. So we go way back. Mm -hmm. um, I think we first met in Sardinia. Mm-hmm. Was two thousand and two. Sounds right. Yep. And that was Extreme Programming Conference, mm -hmm. um, two thousand and two in Algarve. So what an awesome event that was. It was good. You know, think about like what you just said. One of the things I liked about that event is that, wow, we were all really you got to do all twelve practices. The other part of that thread was like, unless they suck, everything everything was sort of on the table. I felt like that wasn't, the world was, um, sort of intense about trying to get XP to work. But way more open to like, well, what else is working? I felt like we had a lot of discussions, and yeah. I, I'd like to see that happen more mm -hmm. again. Yeah, and, yeah. and it was a pretty small, a very relatively small event too. So very uh, it was. intimate. So. I don't remember the session that you led that I was in, but one of the things I really liked is that I felt like you kept calling out um, the people that were your influences, like Ward and Tom DeMarco and, yes. and all the different people you were learning from. Oh, yes. And that's sort of what I mean is like, while we were trying to get people to do all 12 practices, there was a lot of exploration. That's a better word for that. And I, I want to see that happening more in conferences. Yeah. It wasn't just all about come and give a pretty presentation. It was get together, talk to fellow practitioners, right. talk about the past and what we used to do and who we're learning from and see what we could uh, explore and experiment with. Do you think that part of it was that there was a balance between industry and academia in those conferences? I wonder because there was a lot of presentation about ideas. Mm -hmm. And I sort of feel like that's a little bit, that's what I'm seeking out right now. Is mm -hmm. I, want to, I want to hear people talking about like, what are your ideas and your experiences and extrapolation instead of just a presentation? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And that's the beauty, I think, of those open space events too, mm -hmm. is where you get to a lot of ideas and uh, just people getting excited about the new things they're trying. Right. You know, um, we were talking a moment ago and you were like, what, what gets your geek on? Yeah. You know, you said, yeah. you said um, and it's like, what gets you excited, right? Um, right, right. So we, uh, we both have this background in, uh, you know, extreme programming. Mm -hmm. And um, what, uh, what do you and feel? Programming survived? before that. And programming before that. Yeah, so yeah, for yeah. us, extreme programming was like kind of a, I don't know, what, what, what was extreme programming to you, having come from, you know, the programming you did, in the, let's say, in the 90s? It was, was, it was, I don't know, this might sound too hippie, but it was like nothing short of sort of life-giving. Mm -hmm. I mean, what I felt like is I was pretty burned out at that point. I was, I had worked at this small company where we did a lot of things, and I'll 
called Agile like we did a lot of pair programming. We just called it working together. And so the idea of pairing was just an accelerated version of all that stuff, especially because I worked with all these really bright people. And I found like that was such a fast way to learn their secrets. And while pair programming hasn't really um, stuck the idea of people working in collaborative spaces, you know, Kent's second version of like sitting together and having people that stuck and continuous integration is the norm. Mm-hmm. We just did this little conference in Minneapolis called um, Chaos Day Twin Cities. Mm. And Kent was actually there and it was about 75 people, Josh, and it sort of felt like that El Hierro conference. It was this small group of people and it was really exciting and it was wow. high geek factor, <laughs> but it was this high geekology kind of combined with this customer learning and that's what gets me excited right now how do we use all our go faster tech chops for good yeah yeah you know or right. as tools to embrace uncertainty mm-hmm. we got really good at building software with extreme yep. programming yep. and then the, the next question was well what are we building yeah like, are we actually helping anybody or why are we building it who, who are we who are we impacting yeah. yeah 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 that's that's the natural outcome so you know it's a great sentence you just said that's a natural outcome. It is for you and I. I would love to see more people have that experience. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see more people kind of going, yeah, I'm pretty sure we're going to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. Let's start exploring if we're doing the right thing. Yeah, like we stopped being worried about <clears throat> deadlines. Right. Not because we don't meet deadlines or can't meet deadlines. It's just that we know how to meet deadlines. Right. And that might sound pretentious, but once you really know how to work in an agile way, which I think means to move with quick, easy grace. Yeah. If you can move with quick, easy grace in software development, right. then it's a question of, okay, do what, why, do we, why are we building it and what are we building? You know what I always thought too is like kind of the, the move from like working in cycles to working in flow came from when things got small enough, when they became like the right size and you stopped saying how big is it and you started saying it was too big, that was one of those tells. And those teams, they weren't worried about the Friday review. They just started sort of getting things done and that that led way that opened the door for us to kind of go back and say, yeah, well, we got to start exploring on that dimension that's not as discreet. It's a little bit more ambiguous. Like, what do we know about whom we're building for, and you know, are do they really care? Yeah, and this was a this is that's a big change because uh, there are people in the early agile movement, the lightweight methods movement from the '90s, who really, literally, to this day, think that agile is just about the how. Yeah, that is to say. Yeah. We're gifted what to build, and then then we build it with Agile. Yeah. Now, I I was talking about this with Jeff yesterday. I I completely disagree with that. Yeah, I I don't think you can be Agile. What what do you think? Well, so I think sometimes that's a little bit of the part that's stuck that I, people are too constructionist in nature. And if what you're doing is very known and very discreet, then optimizing construction or throughput, a la manufacturing, is a good idea. But if what you're doing is unknown because it has a human dimension and people are beautifully chaotic <laughs> then you have to not be as specific about we got to get it done you know i think the dimension that i've always valued is learning yes and sometimes you learn by getting stuff done in production but sometimes you learn outside of production and that was something i don't think we did that is the like you said sort of the next evolution is like if we if we were thinking in cycles of like a week or whatever to say for the next week is the right thing to do to learn in the code or outside of the code. Yes. You gotta be brave. You gotta have some courage that, yeah, we can wield this technology thing. Yeah, I love that. And mm-hmm. and I, I, the other day I wrote a little piece about agile blinders, because aren't there times where we do know what to build? There's no exploration to be had. It's Correct. like it's a kind of project where it's just hey, just build it. Mm-hmm. You and I were talking yesterday at dinner. 
about you were typing in something and you hit a character limit and there wasn't any notification you hit it that's not a magic discovery that's just like someone did a terrible job and that can easily be fixed like a broken door handle in a car or something yes but if the driving experience is all messed up that's more ambiguous you know because it has to do with multiple interactions with a human being right yeah. look at look at these these social media products the new ones that come out like they don't know what's going to be the next big hit right they have to discover it yeah. and so I, I i see this distinction like i i'm that we had so much kind of in the early XP days, we had a, almost a kind of a reaction against waterfall, mm-hmm. like we're we're getting away from waterfall. Now right. I'm coming back to the fact that some some things are known, some things are unknown. Right. You know, when I worked with JetBrains to build an API to start getting some data from their product, it was just an API. Right. It wasn't like there was a discovery process. Right. The behavior was discrete, and therefore yeah. the work can be more about construction. Right. And I that, heard someone say one time. Everyone talks about the space program as science, but the space program is by and large an engineering problem. Like the moon's not wildly going in a new orbit. And like once you get a rocket there, that's complicated, but it's known. And sometimes that sometimes that Kinefin kind of circle, which I read through the Checklist Manifesto book, when it moves from, I think, complicated to complex, mm-hmm. that's when we get that's when we can't apply known ideas or patterns. We need to figure out how to discover. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, uh, I I think the uh, Kinefin stuff's really important. It puts things in context, right? Yeah, right. Um, so mature agilists, I think, can do that. They can say, this is discrete. We know what this problem is. We right. know how to work in this style. Now we're in unknown territory. You know? Right, so stop trying to put process around it because process doesn't really do much to address complexity. You have to have measurements and signals and awareness. Yes, mm-hmm. and you... Um, you walk the talk. I mean, you've built products, and uh, I, I love that. Practitioners. Mm-hmm. And some so, bad ones. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can't get, no, none of us survive without a few bad ones in yeah. there, right? I mean, that's yeah. what we, we learned. But talk. let's talk quickly about the good ones. Uh, I mean, cardboard's been a huge hit, right? Yeah, cardboard was really fun. I mean, one of the things I liked about it is I found myself trying to do, like all of us, things with, uh, visual interactive planning tools because it's so nice when someone touches something then I think they feel like a part of the plan or a part of the stories or mm-hmm. a part of the product discovery but that's real difficult in a distributed ecosystem so we tried to kind of put together something the tagline was always if post-it notes and google docs had a child it would be cardboard <laughs> um, and while it was successful boy it was just an exercise in discipline because there was always a new idea I had all these neat ideas for these visualizations and no matter how much money you have, you have limited bandwidth of what you can validate. Mm. I think that's a discussion we could be having is when you scale things up and you have a single product or a single system being built by many teams, how do you make those disciplined decisions about validation within and across teams in a larger product community? Mm-hmm. Love it. I don't feel like we're talking about that. that, right. that and that feels like a natural evolution from what we did because XP, we were very team-focused. And... and that the team, but the team was like in early XP. It seemed like the team was focused on delivering a wonderful output, but not necessarily on what's the outcome. Mm-hmm. We we're, were we're stumbling towards it, but we we sort of just we're we're fixing so many engineering problems. Yeah, that I think we just couldn't go that far, which right. was probably the right thing to do. Still, and yeah. are there are these divides between the business and IT, or are there's a divide between product design people. And the team, 
Yeah. You know, and I was uh, talking about this with Jeff as well, uh, or just about these divides. Why why are we always divided? Yeah. Why couldn't we be in it together? That, I mean, so if you look at, like, who was there at the signing of the Agile Manifesto, there wasn't anyone there from a design background, and yet there was, because it would be really hard to call Ward Cunningham someone that's not a designer, because the guy is more of a maker than he is a programmer. He's a programmer that tends to be a maker, so mm-hmm. I think... Like, yeah, I was talking to him once about cardboard. I was exploring the ideas with him, and Ward kind of went on about the wiki, and he said, David, wiki was successful because people were rewarded for contributing. Yes. And I thought, that's a guy that's thinking about impact. It's just, it might have been just too far. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't really know. I am a little bit concerned right now that we're sort of in this, like, discovery and delivery, and that feels like nice, simple language. But I hear people kind of going back to some of this old stuff of, like, you're on the discovery team and I'm on the delivery team. And man, that's just going to be like 1996 called and it's not working out well for them because it's <laughs> it's like you're the designer and I'm the engineer. So I don't think we did a good job healing that. I think the other thing we did very much that, that alienated a lot of design people is we forced things into these little small cycles and design is often cross-cutting. Yes. It doesn't fit into one story and one sprint or one iteration. Right. Because they always had to figure out, do I work a one sprint ahead of you or one right. sprint behind you? And it's just like, oh, yeah, what, you know what? Maybe it's just working together and it, we don't have to be in these fixed length sprints. And I still think we have that challenge. I still think we have things that are, um, can you can do a little small micro design either in the product or the code, but there's still cross-cutting things like, you know, in a bigger system, an architectural trajectory is still essential. Otherwise, you just code yourself into a corner, just like with a user experience or security, all those things that are cross-cutting. Yeah, yeah. Why is it so Why is it so uh, rare to see team? I mean, it's, it's there are some great products out there that I imagine are doing this properly, where yeah. they've integrated design and engineering and... You know, architecture and uh, empathy for customers and right. that deep discovery process. Uh, but it seems rare. I was challenging the people in my session yesterday. I put up a picture of Malcolm Young because we're in Australia and he recently died. And that's kind of saying that Malcolm Young was a guitar player, but he was the, one of the guitar players in ACDC. And if you met him and he said, hi, I'm a guitar player. That's like when Ward always says, hi, I'm Ward, I'm a programmer. Like. <laughs> and you're so wonderfully humble, you know? Yeah. But like... I was talking to software people, kind of saying, hey, if you guys are software engineers, then you want to be software engineers that are product developers, mm-hmm. where this is a strong dimension of what you do. And I think to the engineering side of the house, that's sort of the throwdown. It's like, yeah, get confident about building stuff and then stop building stuff for a week or whatever and go talk to some people, which yes. is going to ask the engineering side of the house to be more like, I think, real engineers. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's a, probably a terrible thing to say, but like... My sister-in-law is an aerospace uh, integrator, and the engineers she has working for them, they understand all the nuances of, dis- of putting a plane together, but they also understand the pilot has to fly it, right? and then it doesn't matter, and they spend a lot of time interacting with these pilots. Now, like you said, some of the problems are just brutal, fixed aerospace, like how do you organize the antennas so that there's not a little vortex behind it, there's a small sonic boom that blows it off the plane when you get close to the speed of sound, but... <laughs> Then they put the pilot in and they ask him questions like, how did it feel? Right. You know, we could be more like that, I think. My, my take on Ward Cunningham is that uh, Ward solves human problems. Yeah. That he understands that he, he actively, as an engineer, 
he's actively interested in human issues, yes. human problems. I've worked with him and seen him in engagements where he's trying to deeply understand the human problem right. and then come up with a good technological uh, solution for it. But it starts with, it starts with those problems. Yeah. And a lot of geeks <clears throat> tend to just focus on, hey, how do I build this efficiently? They don't get into that like deeply deep concern for humans and, and how they're struggling with the software today. Um, so that I think is something that maybe we need to teach more of, or yeah, you know, model or something. Um, <laughs> model, right? That's it. That's why I think we both end up kind of calling out Ward because he has all these attributes that we really appreciate. You know, it's just, just this whole kind of person. Yes, yeah. yes. I think the other answer to your question is, I used to get a little bit frustrated with teams when it's like you're getting stuff done. Like, let's start exploring this other stuff. And then I realized that some of those people were proud because they hadn't been getting anything done. Oh yes. And so what they heard was. You want to wreck what I'm doing well. And what I was saying is, no, no, I want to augment what you're doing well. And I think pro the problem was how I approached it. They thought that they were having something taken away, and I thought I was just expanding their horizons. So mm -hmm. maybe, maybe some of the engineering side of the house, it feels so good to be constructing whole things incrementally that we have to kind of say, that's great, and it's not this but that, it's this sort of end that. And that, yeah. yes, yep. yes, awesome. Yeah, so uh, just to go back to, to cardboard for a minute, that that did very well. I mean, you had many many customers, uh, mm -hmm. lots of success with that. And did you learn anything from it? I did. So I had this young developer, and I was talking about like talking to our customers and stuff. But it's a digital product, so you can go sit with people. We sat with people locally in Minneapolis, but then we had people pinging us from around the world. So you can't just fly around the world and sit with people. And I think it's really important to be with people, but if you have a digital product, that doesn't work. And he said, oh, we should use in-app communication. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, let me just show you. And like two hours later, we had Intercom in our application. And Intercom's one of these in-app things. It's everything everything that could be good about a chat session, but it's not horrid. <laughs> and uh, suddenly, we were dialoguing directly with people, which was pretty intense. While they were using the product? Yeah, because mm -hmm. they could just click on it, and, it, and it's a thread that's persistent. Oh. So in like a chat session, you can go, that person can come back and say, well, that's not what you said to me last time. Mm -hmm. It sort of reminded me of like the best of Google Wave mm -hmm. when that was around. Oh yeah, That was really spectacular. And then trying to kind of move from like, what did we get done? Great, I'm glad we're getting things done, but like let's assume that's a given. Mm -hmm. And starting to kind of do this, this we just call it like impact driven, where when someone would start on an idea, the first thing they would do is say, "How are we going to put a hook in to measure the impact of that?" Oh, awesome! And just sort of like, do you remember when? Sort of, we got a little bit lost sometimes with test driven, but I felt like when we did test driven well, it wasn't just write crappy test, then write crappy code, and end up with an aggregate of more crappy code. It was. Josh, what do you think, you know, and we would talk through the, our ideas and we would specify our ideas in this test and that worked really well because that was small and discreet. The, you know, story test, acceptance test had that same thing, but this impact stuff I think is way more powerful because you stop to say, I don't really even know what results I want. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't know what the outcome is and I think that's a discussion that more engineer product developers, whether engineers or not, need to embrace before they just start Sprinting. Yes. I even think that metaphor, dude, it might be time for the sprint metaphor to die. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, so that... Because like, no one sprints slow. No one sprints to learn. Hey, I'm going to go out and sprint and learn what the grass is like. That's not, you know, you sprint to get somewhere. That's right. 
Well, I wondered um, if we could just briefly talk about Modern Agile yeah. because I've never heard, we've never really discussed it before. Right. Um, you know, there's Modern Agile, of course, and when we talk about impact, when we talk about an outcome, when we talk about solving human problems, mm. I tend to talk about make people awesome. Yep. Or this, you know, deliver value consistently because you got to reframe that word value into something concrete. Concrete, yeah. Value mm. could mean anything. But to, to me, value, it could be the... Uh, Invalidating an idea—that's value. Right, if you right. did that when you yep. came into work one day and found out that what you're about to build actually isn't really needed, right? Wonderful, you've delivered value. How to build the wrong thing faster, right? Yeah. Um, so, but I'm trying to frame this in terms of like I think when you talk about sprints, maybe need to go away at this point. I, I like to be principle driven. Yeah. I've yep. seen that the companies that I admire the most um, have a small, discrete set of principles principles and they actually live by them right, yep. um, and then these were the four that I've kind of reverse engineered from all that we've been doing right. um, make safety a prerequisite to me when we were doing writing all these tests when we were refactoring when we were doing continuous integration there was a safety that was present that we were creating yep. a safety net if you will yep. um, and then I think what you're doing with outcomes and, and making sure that you're building the right thing is also safety mm, I heard Kent say one time when I'm scared, I just start writing tests. Or no, someone asked him at a conference, mm -hmm. how do you know when you've written enough tests? He said, well, when I'm not scared anymore. Right. It was just such a brilliant answer. It wasn't 68% test coverage. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, to me, uh, Agile isn't Agile if you don't gracefully get somewhere. That is, is, is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, if you see an Agile dancer, they don't just slam against a wall after doing some beautiful pirouettes. Mm -hmm. You've got to arrive somewhere, I think, um, that is meaningful yeah, to yeah. say that that was agile. Um, so anyway, this is, um, I don't know if four principles are going to help us move things forward. Uh, I'm hopeful that they will. Um, but you think about like our shared history. You asked me what it was nice about extreme programming. Remember how often we used to sit around and talk about values, open and honest communication? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. those were bold things. I was not used to, I was used to that in my school of musician friends yeah. because there was, it was more okay to talk about your values and or your feelings and your beliefs and such. And I think where we saw success, both of us with extreme programming, it wasn't just practices. It was, it was those principles and values mm -hmm. and where people ended up being what you're talking about more constructionist it was like gotta do the process gotta do the process and yeah. that i don't think ever it just doesn't last oh yeah for me simplicity was one of the xp values that mm -hmm. you know i look at what ward look at ward right i mean he's one of the masters of simplicity right simple design um and this like sort of aggressive focus on making the design simple mm -hmm. because we see so much complexity in what we build and it's really hard to manage. Right. And if you don't just get back to simplicity or simplicity in process. Right. Right. How exactly. can we have a simple process that has the fewest moving parts? Right. You know, I mean, I, I, I have you, what have you dropped in the last, you know, whatever, 20 years yeah. from that, like from your practice? I'm sure you've dropped some things, right? Yeah. Well, I dropped and or like probably like similar. We both evolved when people start being reflective waiting for a period a frequency at the end of which to be reflective sort of seems ridiculous it seems forced and then if people have feel safe comfortable then they throw that out you know i just watched people start having a sheet of paper in a collab collective workspace and just start writing about here's the things we want to address and then they would just start chipping away and then they could 
it became more continuous. That was just one of many things. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're not changing your process, probably you're not reflecting enough, right? My mom's a retired minister in the religious community. They call it evolutionary theology, but she's a radical Lutheran, if that's not an oxymoron. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Sorry, so mom. she's a radical Lutheran. You're a, ra you're a free radical. Sure, yeah. So you're just spreading goodness around and... Uh, all your well, we really appreciate all your wonderful ideas that you're uh, you're putting out there. Thanks, dude. Likewise. Um, Chaos Day. What is that? Oof. So two years ago, I got invited to this uh, Chaos Community Day at Amazon. It was pretty inspirational, Josh. It really felt like those early that early XP conference players. I got to invite someone, so I invited Ward as my plus one, which oh. was like that was like the <laughs> best day of my life. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> so. Ward did this, Ward was working at Hero, uh, New Relic then, he did this brilliant talk about like visualization, um, it was GitHub, Heroku, New Relic, uh, Google, Netflix, Amazon, all the players, and uh, someone from Los Alamos, Supercomputing, that was wow. really cool, but it wasn't, you know, everybody was talking about visualizations and resiliency and learning and production, but one of the threads that was there was not just, you know, chaos as a thing, it was kind of more when you have large-scale complex systems that are non-deterministic, what can you do to start discovering in those whether the accidental complexity comes in the form of technology or we did one in Minneapolis and Ken got up and did a lightning talk and he used really nice words like he does all the time. He kind of said systems are composed of elements and sometimes the elements come together to help people but sometimes the elements are, and he used a word like in disarray and it's not anyone's fault. It's the nature of large, complex things. And he was kind of saying, hey, at Facebook, we have over a billion users. And Netflix has 30% of the internet traffic. And no one's ever looked at those problems. And so that's what I think is going on. It's, it's this twofold. It's this chaos engineering and this intuition engineering. And mm. I would argue that you and I have been dabbling with intuition engineering every chance we get. How mm. do we visualize things so that we don't have to spend as much time scanning log files? And there's an obvious... Things are mostly right because that visualization looks the same way it did yesterday. Mm -hmm. Like when you walk out into the street, you don't monitor every single thing. You kind of like, I've been on this street before, everything looks pretty normal, I think I'm going to walk across it. And if there's a giant truck coming, it's an exceptional case. Yes. I, I just, I can't even tell you how exciting it was. It was this small group of people and there, people were talking about like game day. This is a new thing. I don't know this idea of like, Taking a Friday, remember when we used to have like, uh, Mike Feathers and I, I remember had this thing called like easing back at the end of an iteration, getting people to do things that they wouldn't otherwise do. Game day would be perfect. There's a blue team and a red team and the blue red team tries to hack the system and the blue team tries to defend against it and it's gamification. Mm -hmm. I know that's something mm -hmm. you've always been intrigued with and mm -hmm. suddenly people are in love with technology again. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, let's break that, you know, and I right. think that's, that's the right discussion. Mm, love that. So mm -hmm. this is this is where the maybe we should be looking is chaos engineering in, intuition engineering. Um, I think the chaos thing really picks up with like the Nassim Taleb anti-fragile. Yes. Like if you're worried about whether your system's going to go down, you mm -hmm. can sit around and worry and have risk plan, or you can inject a small virus into your system to try and build some kind of immunity. That feels like a new way of thinking. Yes. And yes. Don't you think that comes from an obvious evolution of confidence in engineering? It's, we're going to get stuff done, mm -hmm. and we see this persistent problem where a VM just disappears, and we don't know why, and we've looked at it a lot, and we should just accept that that's going to happen and figure out how to create it ourselves and make more of these systems immune. 
this is a, le- a level of maturity that that is not present in most places. Um, but remember when we were trying to get people to do continuous integration, they would look at us and they say, "We can't do that." And yeah. I would be like, "Yeah, you can. You're not, but that doesn't mean you can't because people are doing it, and everybody doesn't have Netflix problem space. Mm. But that doesn't mean." Someone who has one-tenth of that can't benefit from those same ideas. I couldn't agree more. I mean, like, we do things that Google does, and we're a tiny little company. Right. You know, um, we do trunk-based development, and, and, and you can do those things. And a lot of people say, well, I'm not Google. I'm not Amazon. I don't, I don't print money. Right. But yeah. it's, that's not really about what it is. These are abstractions. They're ideas that you can actually implement, uh, you know, if, if you can. Now, if you're dealing with a set of problems that's more primitive, then, yeah, you're not probably going to inject a virus into your system right. just yep. yet. But um, they're pretty good about that too. The, like the people that wrote this book on Netflix, they're kind of saying uh, there's a woman named Nora Jones who came from Jet, and she introduced this stuff at Jet. And one of the things she said is, "This is a little bit different than just continuous integration in the sense that you have to have a stable state." Yeah. You know, but that starts to be like the language of science. Mm-hmm. Finally, we're putting science in computer science. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, David, uh, I know you got to get going on a flight, and uh, it's just been a pleasure t- chatting with you, seeing you, hanging out. Um, hope we see each other soon, and uh, thanks for, for chatting. Mm-hmm. My pleasure. Mm-hmm.